I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. There is no talking about women or work or well-being without talking about pregnancy, fertility, motherhood, working motherhood. And that is why the second shift has been so fierce in their advocacy of creating a space at work for motherhood, for empathy, for bringing humanity. We created a program called Let's Be Human, bringing parenthood and all that comes with it to work. This is something we've been working on for years with companies and we feel so strongly about, and it's the support that employees and managers need to feel empowered at work. That's why I love this conversation with Stephanie Kramer. Stephanie is the CHRO of L'Oreal. I mean, massive job. She's the mom of two young kids. And she just wrote a book called Carry Strong, An Empowered Approach to Navigating Pregnancy and Work. And it's geared much more towards the employee, the person having the family, and about how to have tricky conversations, to create community, your self-identity at work, and thinking all of these things through, which is really interesting from her perspective because she is both the employer on scale and also a woman who has gone through this process on her own and really felt like there was something that needed to be said, a guide for how to approach the idea of fertility and work that is powerful and optimistic and positive. So Stephanie is a role model and somebody who is also able to affect change in a major way. So having somebody in the leadership position that she is in writing this type of book and then living that example makes me very happy. It makes me feel like some of the work that we've been doing is having an impact and to see it playing out in like giant corporate America makes me feel incredibly appreciative and grateful. You are such an interesting person to talk to. I mean, outside of your like day job as CHRO of L'Oreal, which is a major enormous executive job. You are a mom and you are now the author of Carrie Strong. And I love this idea of bringing our whole selves into pregnancy and into work and flipping the script on something that can wind up causing so much fear and anxiety and turning it into a place of empowerment. I firmly believe that that is how we should think about it. It's the way to retain talent if we want to keep women in the workforce. It's an incentive in terms of gender equity. It's an incentive in terms of humanity. So what made you take the time to write this book at this time? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And I love what you often talk about, which is reframing. And I think that for me was the most important piece of the work with the book. And even what I do 
now during the day, especially for working women or female identifying birthing people in this really important moment in their life. So for me, the ambition with the book and in day to day is that reframing that there are going to be things that are real positives. There are going to be things that are challenging that we have to work together on. And there's a lot of neutral. It's going to be a cultural constant we're going to continue to experience. So I really wanted to help lift off some of that weight and create a resource and a tool that women could use pre-pregnancy, during, or even to support others. And you know, even non-birthing people can use to support those women who are going through this really important part of their life. So that's, that was the initial ambition. I had my own personal stories and it dovetailed into during the pandemic, seeing the real strength and power and the impact, the attrition of working women during that time period, but also their incredible ability to come together. And there's some really powerful images I talk about in the book too. One is, you know, women with linked arms with their bellies that are, you know, demonstrating together how strong they are. And then also seeing women working in their full PPE during the pandemic, also breastfeeding or uh, having young children and being so incredibly strong. So I really see it also as a, as a strength for sure. You talk about community. It's one of the things that you say you outline. It's like the principles, Yes, the, the principles that are so important to empowering women and bringing pregnancy into the workplace. What are the principles? Let's go through them quickly. Sure. So there are five principles. There's five phases. So the, the book is in two parts, five principles in five phases. And the five principles, it starts out with perspective because you need to be able to have that immediate impact. Will this matter right now? Yes. Will this matter? You know, the rule of five, five minutes, five days, could be even five hours in between the two, five weeks, five months. The power of perspective is so important, but also it's recognition of what's holding us back and what what now are becoming what I talk about often are tailwinds. What are the things that are the powerful pieces on the other side? But how do you have that context to understand why what you're carrying? You know, I, I say like the adage of just because you carry something well doesn't it mean isn't it heavy? And that recognition is that perspective. Then balance. So whether or not you like the term work-life balance, which is very debatable, I talk about balance as a principle and I use a different way of describing it more with a fluid approach. So, you know, that some days you're going to be all in on work. Some days you're going to be sliding in or it could be the same day where you're having those moves instead of feeling like you're always striving for something unattainable, which is static, by the way, in balance. (laughs) You know, and I know from listening to you too, you certainly get that. And do I ever? We don't need that kind of pressure. Life is uh, change all the time. Exactly. <laughs> Momentum is movement, uh, and unbalance is actually movement. Then, as you mentioned, community. Community is so important. Building community, both for this moment in your life, but it's also just a great moment to assess who you have around you or who you need around you, both with work and career. And now, ever more so the intersection between the two. Communication, what you say when, which is such an important principle that applies very much to this time in pregnancy or your your private and your public life and how they're together, but also how you show up. And so it can be a really amazing way for you to think about your gravitas and how you're you're being part of a team or how you're demonstrating your leadership and frankly, just better for your relationships. And then the last one, which was absolutely the hardest chapter to write, was identity. And so many women talk about this as a very powerful moment for identifying or thinking about their identity and their purpose that lasts way beyond this moment. But it's, it's a very powerful one for sure. Or loss of. Mm-hmm. 
and what's found. So concurrent to, you know, the fear of what you're going to lose or what you do, but then the the rebirth that can happen on the other side or concurrently of what you're losing and what you're gaining, which can be really transformative for sure and continues to happen. And now having my children are nine and five. So that phase is complete, but it's a whole nother evolution as you have children that you're having conversations with in a very different way too. You have such an interesting perspective. Let me talk about perspective because you have this perspective as somebody who has gone through being pregnant, having children as an employee, and you have the perspective of running the people and the organization for all the employees. So taking the empathy and the way that you hope that you can bring compassion and you can lead from, how does that translate though when you actually have to lead an organization? Because I hear that from companies who like, we really want to do all of these things, but it's really hard to actually like implement that on scale. Well, I definitely take the approach of, and with the book even too, it was my personal experience, then it's all the things I can never even try to understand, but I can understand their impacts on individuals. And then I think for places of, of work, there's a combination between what is for the employer, what's on the individual, what's within the space of their manager, their people manager, which that's another kind of piece of that that is huge, especially right now, the relationships that you have at work. And then there's also the employer. So even another piece of it. But I try to always think about all three lenses, or I guess even four. One, my own personal experience, which I think does give a lot of awareness. And then now, certainly from the research in the book and in my role, I see a lot more differences in how to approach something. And then as an employer, but also as a people leader, as a people manager, for sure. So years ago, I'm going to go pre-COVID. We, at the second shift, we had found that we were doing a lot of maternity fill-ins, parental leave fill-ins, especially as like men were getting parental leave uh, and it was becoming much less like gendered. So fill-ins, it's a great opportunity for the women who want to come in fill in a role, keep working and like build their resume. Uh, It's great for the team who gets the support. And it's great for the women who are going out on leave because they know that their job is being held and that it's going to be done well anyway. So what we found was that there were such good intentions, but then the whole process would sort of fall down as it got closer because there was inaction or there was a bad process or, you know, they did, the budget got cut. It was just things that happened. Anyway, so we created this thing called, we called it Let's Be Human, bringing parenthood and all that comes with it to work. And it was really, it was a step-by-step guide for managers and the employee going out on leave. And it was a before, during, and after, like, here's the conversations that need to happen. Here's what needs to happen. It was really just about like, we're all humans. We all need to treat each other. This is a time of like so much fear and so much anxiety. How can we treat this as a place? Like if your work is where you spend a lot of your time, how do we treat you as a family member, a friend, a colleague, not as this person who the minute you get pregnant is now a problem and stressful to everybody. (laughs) Totally. And what I love about it is there's two different things you're addressing, which is one, the who, the who you need around you. And then the second part is the timeline of it 
which isn't just in the moment. There's the before, the during, and the after. And those transitions between humans, so relationships, plus the timeline are the structural pieces that you really need to make it successful. And a lot of that does fall on the individual, but I try to think about it as not a negative, but actually more empowered because somebody is going to approach it differently. But at least if they have those structures in place or have visibility of what could be the options, then they can navigate how they want to do it too. But if you remove all of that, if it's, I'm empowered, but I don't know what the options are, I don't have that community of support, and I don't think about it in this timeline way, then it's super heavy. It's it's a lot. And it's a lot to manage while, by the way, you're working full-time and you're pregnant, which is still a lot. And I think people forget that too. Like There's a physical demand and a mental demand that is very intense, especially for that time. Yeah. And do you think... In the time that since, you know, 2000, I guess, 19, when we wrote that to today, we've gone through this evolution, these, you know, this enormous cultural shift. And the workplace really has changed in a lot of ways, emotionally and structurally. Do you see there's a change in the way that we think about pregnancy, fertility, leave today versus pre-pandemic? I do. I feel like there's Great. two things. I love One, that answer. I, I do. There's always room for, you know, continued evolution, which is true. But always uh, in all things. All, always in all things. I think I saw a really interesting statistic recently that was shared by Carrie Media. And it was that we are at the highest labor participation rate of women with children, I believe, under five, at least with young children, I will say, for what I remember. And I thought, you know, that's actually incredibly powerful because that means pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, where we saw this huge dip in labor participation. And I think we were very afraid of, will we recover? And frankly, I was writing the book during that phase. So every time I would see, you know, either something dire or a glimmer of optimism, I was almost reframing just a, a couple sentences based on where are we now and where are we going? And with that in mind, that means that due to fractional labor, due to different types of flexible work experiences, or just having those options available, period, is creating different types of opportunities. So that means there's a, a matching that can exist between employees and employers for what makes sense for them. And it doesn't have to be forever. It could be in this particular moment or this season of what they want out of work and vice versa, which I think is really important. And then the second piece, which I think is huge, is post-pandemic or during, the lights were turned on about the caregiving burden. We showed not just about pregnancy or about children, but we showed so much more of ourselves. And we also showed in so many types of roles, the ability to do things in a different way. And we talk about it. Now, a lot of these topics were really taboo. And even organizations that were leading in terms of what they were offering, it wasn't super obvious. And I would say that's something that I've observed a big shift as something people are very proud of, outwardly facing versus maybe internally facing. And I'm very happy about that to see that what teams are are talking about in terms of work-life intersections, but also what employers are talking about as far as benefits and even within their employee resource groups, et cetera, is much more overt, I think, than kind of what was happening behind the scenes. We're saying about people are much more willing to talk and communicate about things that, you know, there's a lot more transparency. There's a lot more emotion that's being brought into the workplace. Do you think that there's still the fear of bias and 
like the fertility tax and the mommy tax and this whole idea that, you know, I shouldn't tell people I'm pregnant until this specific time. And I know you, you talk a lot about that and Carrie mm-hmm. Strong. Has that lessened to some extent? Are women more feeling more empowered? And are there areas of concern? Is this something that they should, because people, they ask me like, am I going to get, you know, screwed down the line if I wind up taking an extra month or working flexibly or part-time for when I want to come back to work? There's so much fear around that bias and that being penalized. I think the fear still very much exists. And I think that in some places of work, the bias exists. But there's also on the other side, there's the legal protections which have changed. There's also the types of work that are more available and have changed. And again, I think it's that matching exercise that people are doing. This is what I'm going to want. And the employers are saying overtly, this is what I'm offering and this is what we're going to do versus the kind of ambiguity that I think Mm -hmm. creates a lot of that fear. I think the fear and the pressure will still happen. Let's hope that we're shifting to empowering leadership and managers and visibility. And by the way, you you mentioned leave and people of all genders taking the leave. That also we have seen as a a positive evolution, which encourages that to be a norm. So I think that's one part of it. And the other part is there's still a benevolent discrimination that can occur where people often are thinking that they're doing something positive, you know, taking something off someone's plate or trying to actually be helpful, where in these instances, we have to still remind people like, you know, that's actually their decision if they go on that trip or take on that extra work, even if they're, they have well-meaning intent. So I think that's something that's still very much a great area. And I can't you know, share enough how important it is to have those conversations, like on an ongoing basis, not just one time, not just when you tell your boss you're pregnant, but okay, that's one conversation and you should be having them before and you should be having them afterwards so that you don't have this impending fear or ambiguity on on what are the expectations of you, regardless if you're pregnant or not. You actually point out in the book, there's even before the before. And I love that. I want to talk about that because, you know, we're talking about this is like, oh, you're in the age where you're actually trying to get pregnant, right? Let's say, or have a family or, but even farther before that, it's really thinking about your life and your career and what you may want out of it. And I felt that very personally because I can like viscerally remember, you know, all I ever wanted in life when I was in college and after college was to work in TV. That was it. I was going to be Diane Sawyer. That was my whole life dream. And I actually got to work, you know, for 10 plus years, working in television, working in all sorts of different types of newsrooms. And it was like everywhere I went, I would take a look around and I would look at the women who were there. And granted, this is now... 20 years ago, at least, I don't even know, I don't want to count, um, but, but <laughs> at, a, at a very different time. But it goes to show you, if you can't see it, you can't believe it. So I looked around and I saw women and families and lives I knew I didn't want. And so it pushed me out of a field that I really wanted to be in and loved because I thought, well, I don't want to do this and I don't see a way to make that happen in this path. So I appreciate that you've like really touch on, you should be thinking about this far earlier in your career, even though it sounds like a crazy thing to do. But actually in this day and age, I don't think it is that crazy with women like freezing their eggs and really thinking about things much earlier. Was that something that you 
thought about at the beginning of your career when you were much younger too? I definitely thought about it. And I was very surprised at actually, I so one of the studies in the book is asking college age women, because I was very curious about this, you know, college age women, if they believed that parenthood, college age men and women and non-gender conforming felt that parenthood would have an impact on their career. So I, I asked the question just clean. And then I asked, would it be positive, negative or neutral? And two things were very surprising. One was how high the number was when I had follow up. So I did focus groups kind of follow up around the country with different college age students to understand like some verbatims behind what those numbers could be. And we're talking like in the 80s and 90s in terms of percentages of yes. And one out of two college age women or female identifying said that they chose their major because of it. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful. But then I thought, it's just because someone asked the question. Because I think no one really asked me the question when I was in college. But I think if I was asked the question, absolutely would have been the answer. I knew I always wanted to both work and have a family. And in fact, at some point it became, I want to be a CEO and I want to have kids. And I remember the time when I thought that wouldn't be possible. And that's, as you have read and people could read, that's when I had this like drama moment. But I think it's really interesting because it doesn't have to be negative. It can just be a very normal thing for you to think about is, would you like to have a family? It's something that people should think about. And I, th- yeah. I say that all the time to women who are thinking about, let's say, leaving their job or transitioning to a different job. And I am like, you have to think not about what you need right now in today. You have to think about what you want in five years, 10 years, because I don't think I was as smart. I was only thinking like what's in front of my face and like daydreaming this, you know, sort of shiny light, like exciting life and not having any real thought. I think kids today are much smarter actually than I was, or we were. You know, and I think that awareness that that can change too, like that probably maybe even if you were thinking about it for yourself before, it could have been, and this is what I want for right now. But if I want to make this shift, then this place of work or this type of role, which you saw, you know, isn't where I can imagine myself with a family, et cetera. And I think that that reassessment is something that I want to encourage. And I, I think people are, are doing much earlier, as, as you said, yeah. too. I think they're much like more savvy than we were. But one of the things in the beginning of your book, you, re- you have the quote, you, you can do it all, not at the same time and not alone. So yeah. why did you put that upfront? I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that is one of like the great life lessons of being able to look back on your life and see the mistakes and whatever and, and and take in all the data. But do you, as a person who seemingly from the outside is doing it all at the same time? Well, the last part is the most important for me. So whenever someone says that, it's that not alone part. And sometimes, so to your first question, putting that in the very front page of the book. So the very first page when you open up has lines on it and it says, pass it on. And one of the number one goals of the book for me was to create the conversation and to encourage people to encourage each other. I so much believe in the power of women like us you know, not just reaching behind, but literally like holding the elevator door to take everybody with us at the same time, not breaking through a glass ceiling, not not even the elevator, but really creating tailwinds for what's coming after us. So it's like, all right, how can I do that and create this positive ripple reaction? And so that has the signature page that you pass it on, or you can pass it on digitally too, but I like the physical thing. And then the, the line on the bottom, you can do it all is permission. It, my all isn't everybody else's all. So there's, but there's permission. And what is 
your all. And for that day or that moment or that month or that year, and it's going to change. You know, when I had a newborn, it's not the same as it is now. My capacity is not the same, but that was pretty incredible too. Not at the same time, which is, it's kind of funny because I think as women, like we have to question at the same time, but I don't think other people, if you really pause from like, can you do it all at the same time? No, and not well, you know, there's going to be some things you're going to do incredibly well and others, you know what, it's okay. If it's just kind of checked or it's just done, pick which, where you're going to put your effort. But the most important part of the entire thing is the not alone. And I'd often heard that you can do it all not at the same time. And I was like, that's still about me. But the not alone, I so believe it. It's your community of support. You know, personally, it's also I recognize my privilege in this conversation, where I'm from, my education, my background, but also that I'm in a place of work that has a paid leave. Like those type of things really lifted off that. But then I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility to create those tailwinds for women and, and birthing people who may not have that. And I think that's that's where we finally are. Doesn't mean that it's still not hard. It doesn't mean that there still aren't headwinds. <laughs> but if we can try, we can make it a, a little bit lighter, I think. It's funny. I look at that line and I think to myself, okay, so you can do it all. That's really, maybe not in this moment, but that just that's, means like your goal, yeah. you can have the big goal. You can have the big dreams. You can do it you can do it. Like have the faith, have the trust. You can't do it all at the same time, which is just the idea of like faith. Life is going to change. Things are going to change. Your kids are going to be young. Then they're going to be old. You're going to have different times, different schedules. Every year, every minute is going to be different. And you're going to make decisions based on those things. And then not alone is the idea that like let go of the control. I think that's a big thing that we do. We hold it tight. We think we have to do it all. We have to work and do the thing and pick up our kids from school every day. And you have to let go of the control so that you can like surf this wave of life and work and not get crushed by it. I love that. And I often think about the word yet. So you can do it all. And it's not right now, but like I often people say, what's your favorite word? I'm like, not yes, not no, it's yet. You know, I might be able to do it at some point, but not yet or right now. And then then it's exactly as you said, it's like on the positive, you get a lot of energy from being able to do that Jenga to making it all work. And it can be really amazing and actually super motivating, but it's exhausting. It's mentally and physically exhausting and draining. So you have to recognize when what you're doing with all of these different facets is actually filling up your social battery or (laughs) your overall battery and what things are taking that down. And you don't always have to be doing that the same way. This is a completely different thing than I think perhaps what you and I felt where I felt like I couldn't do that, that I always needed to be kind of pushing really hard. And in fact, I've found that doing less and being more deliberate and using the yet and having better priorities is is better for everyone. Um, Not just me, but it's it's for my kids. It's for my family. It's for my teens. It's for the people that I work with. But yeah, it's, it can be a lot. I, I love it. And just to wrap it up, I'm wondering what decisions are you making in your work life and in your personal life to sort of implement some of the things that you've written about and to create the legacy of Caring Strong? I've been thinking about it a lot on the basis of it's the beginning of the year. And last year was my first year in a new role. And 
I launched a book and I have my two young children and there was so much. And it was my, my word of the year last year was deliberate because I had to be because I, you only have so much time and energy. So it was like, all right, where can I put it? But it was all about like maximizing these things. And now I, I'm really taking a moment to stand still and appreciate that, but also see what can come out of these things. And I think we have to give ourselves a little bit more space. By the way, it very much relates to pregnancy or the different phases women have within their lives of what are those unexpected moments or twists that can take on the basis of these changes that, that maybe aren't within our control, which you know I think you're totally right about the desire for control. So for me, I'm trying to help reduce that ambiguity, try to give some of the empowering tools to allow that space for what's next to be a little bit lighter. Thank you so much. It's such a great book. I'm so glad that this is part of the the conversation that's happening at, you know, enormous businesses, at small businesses, for all the women who are out there and men who are changing the way that we look at family and work, whatever family means to you, and feeling the power and the positivity of something that is so positive and life-affirming. Absolutely. We often hear about the really tough moments, or we hear about these huge triumphs, but there's something pretty amazing and powerful in even just the everyday. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Stephanie. I'm so glad that we got to talk and I'm really looking forward to seeing all the things that you do at L'Oreal and meeting you at the Egon Zender Beauty Breakfast. Thank you so much, Jenny. And thank you for everything you've created at The Second Shift. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.